Hello everyone and welcome back to the Racing Mentor Sponsorship Podcast. I'm Jess Shanahan and I'm here today with Toby Trice. How are you doing, Toby? Yeah, Jess, as always, I'm good. Um, I feel like I say that every episode now, <laughs> to yeah. be fair. How are you keeping? Yeah, really good. Like It's been busy getting this like side hustle ebook done. So yeah, I feel uh, very jazzed to be at the end of that now, which is really exciting and, you know, lots of pre-orders and now, you know, books are going out and it's all a bit, you know, nerve wracking launching a second book of it, as I think I talked about um, last week. But yeah, feeling good. Feeling really good. Yeah, Megan, you should be. You should be so proud. Um, Like I said, it's just going to be an awesome book to read. I cannot wait to get my hands on it to be just, you know, I've seen a couple of teasers and uh, I cannot wait to get my hands on it because I've already got a couple of ideas that uh, that I want to pursue. So this is coming at a perfect time. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Right. Shall we um, uh, jump into some facts? Do you want to go first today? Yeah, why not? Um, This one's a bit of a funny one, actually. Um, So um, Jess's fun fact this week is that she asks spiders to politely leave her home. Um, (laughs) How do you do that, Jess? Excuse me, will you please leave? (laughs) You're not welcome here. It it makes me feel better about them. I'm not particularly scared of spiders, but I don't want one like sharing my space. So if I just ask it nicely, it makes it seem like less like it's going to eat me or crawl in my ear while I sleep. That's what I'm really worried about. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear i take it the spider then leaves the room yeah yeah oh yeah always unless of course yeah and toby's fun fact this week is that he used to fly airplanes during his late teens yeah yeah i'm I super interested like how, like how did you get into that well i had a dream to be a pilot um so i suppose driving trains flying planes and racing cars is like yeah all of the trio that <laughs> that i guess land can can conquer i suppose but um yeah i kind of um, i wanted to be a pilot when i was much younger um i got a scholarship with um with an airline um but the recession basically finished it um i was just about to embark on my training um as a first officer um and it all fell through um so i didn't want to let that stop me i'm very ambitious anyway um, and the money that I saved up as a, as a youngster, um, I decided to go to my local flying club and go, well, no one's going to stop me flying. So that's what I did. I went flying. Had an amazing, amazing couple of summers. I think I flew probably over the course of maybe two and a half years, a sort of um, on and off. Huge expensive, but endless amounts of fun um, and had some super scary moments up in the skies as well. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I can't talk about that. Like, I travel a lot um, as someone who is scared of flying. There's a fun fact. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear about a scary moment. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. I'm safe now. I haven't yeah. played a long time. But Stay I'm on the safe. ground. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we are going to be talking about how you can tell if a sponsor has the budget to work with you, because I know this is something that so many people struggle with. I've struggled with it. Just going in, finding that perfect sponsor and thinking, do they have £50,000? Do they have £100,000? Do they have £5,000? How do we work that out? So we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk through this this process today. But Toby, do you do you, what's your thought process when you've you've done this and in, in starting to think about you know whether the sponsor's the right fit with regards to money? How do you kind of approach this situation? Um, it's a really good question, Jess. There's there's lots of you know tools at your hand um, with companies. If a company is a limited company, um, then they typically are on company's house, and um, that tends to be my kind of first sort of background search as part of my research but yes yeah, really good question Jess I think um, today's podcast is um, is definitely going to be a question that that many many drivers ask because you know you might find a, the perfect fit with that sponsor 
but they might not have the budget and uh, yeah find out if they have and are they able to spend it is um is actually quite a i think it's quite a tricky point um because it's, it's when, when we come to talk about money i think people get uncomfortable with it um mm. but it's perfectly something we should be able to approach and and sort of research and find out um but yeah certainly my my kind of first I suppose look into the company would be to look on company's house and have a little look at how that company is operating um, and what their kind of like sort of financial plans are, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I think that that is a, a really good shout and I, you can, you can kind of get a sense as well from, from their website, how well they're doing and like what kind of business they are. So like if they've got a bit of an outdated website, um, they don't have that like high end feel. It's likely that they have less money. However, don't take that rule as golden. Um, even like, you know, it could be that they're so successful that they haven't had time to update their website. But there's lots that you can kind of get a sense of, like, do they have a large team? Do they have lots of people working in the business? How many employees? Are they getting lots of press coverage for working with new clients? All the, of those little research things should give you a sense of what they're doing. Um, I also really like to um, look through high-end press. So, you know, big newspapers or luxury magazines, depending on the, the angle you're going for and the type of business it is. But typically, if, if someone's advertising in a, a, a big magazine or in a big newspaper, then they've got some budget. Because, you know, to do a full-page ad in the Telegraph is like £50,000 or something. So... I think that that's a good place to start as well, seeing what other activity they're doing, because things like big adverts, events, all of that kind of stuff, um, all costs money and shows you that they have it. Exactly. And that, and that goes down to the research part, Jess, isn't it? Is is how you find the sponsors within your niche. And I remember we, I think we covered it on a previous podcast about picking up a, a magazine within the, the interest or the niche that you've got. Um, and then you can kind of look at who's advertised in there and obviously that you know they're engaging with with the audience that obviously you're trying to approach as well and through sort of google research and looking at tools you can actually find out how much those particular adverts cost and you made a good suggestion there, there jess the telegraph for example um hugely hugely expensive and if a, co a company's got a single page spread in there of advertisements for their business you know that they're spending money in marketing um, and quite large sums at that. So um, they're really, really good early qualifiers. Um, it's something that I certainly do when, when I do my research as much as I look at the company's house, which is good to get kind of like an idea of the, the background of the company financially, but actually seeing how active, active they are in the marketing world as a company, I think gives you a really, really good indicator. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would suggest to people as well that they think about the type of activity that they're going to be offering to a potential sponsor. So whether that's a track day, hospitality, video content, these kind of like high ticket items, look at what they're already doing in that space. Do they have a box at a football with a football club? Do they uh, already do stuff within motorsport? Are they putting on big, you know, luxury events for the press? that kind of gives you a sense again of like how much money they have but you know are they putting out regular video content is it just one person doing that what's the production value like uh, all of this stuff can give you a sense of of the budget that that they might be working with and although it might seem like they've used a lot of their budget in all of this activity there will be points within the year where they'll be kind of reviewing that um, and looking for other ways to spend that money that might be more effective and you know if you've got you know something of value to offer them 
algorithm that helps them reach their audience, then it could be that they move some of that budget over to what we all talk about as sponsorship, but it's actually technically it's marketing in the way that we, we, we talk about these partnerships with businesses. Yeah, and I think that's a really valid point, Jess, because, you know, as much as these companies like to advertise maybe on TV, in magazines and, you know, on billboards and whatnot, but, you know, they're, they're hugely expensive options. Um, but that company sees value in doing that, which is why they've made the decision to do it. Um, but I think what's really cool for us and what's kind of um, always good to have behind you is the fact that we know we can offer way much more value than what a billboard can offer. Um, for usually a fraction of the cost so it's actually quite a nice thing to to see a company do because you can kind of approach them and say look you're clearly trying to reach out and, and reach an audience um how effective has that been you can actually ask that in one of your relationship building questions how effective has, has this been i've seen this advert you can comment on how good it was for example um and then before you know it, you're actually talking about oh we you know was it expensive have you got the value back from it oh by the way here's what i do this is this is how we can manage a budget um which cost you x and um, which potentially could be considerably lower um i think that's that's certainly conversations i've had before um and it's led me on to good conversations towards a, a partnership yeah and i think you know asking those questions early on is is a great way to to build a relationship with someone before you get into that really like kind of hardcore pitch phase where it's all a bit more uh formal and yeah certainly asking about previous activity will give you so much information on how effective something is just as you say toby but also what the return on investment might be so you know if if you know that they've done a large advert and you've been able to work out the cost of that when they tell you that it it brought in you know maybe 20 percent more work for them and you know that their flagship product it costs x you can kind of work out roughly whether it's been worth it because you know some businesses and people within a business might not be willing again to talk money um, at, at this relationship building phase so they might say yeah it's been good um, or they might say well we're a bit disappointed and you kind of have to extrapolate from that you know what that actually means in terms of monetary return um, but I think there are you know once you get into that pitch phase and you're you're kind of you're, they know that you're in this sponsorship, maybe partnership conversation, but nobody really knows where it's going to go. There are a number of questions that I like to ask. First off, I like to ask them what success looks like. I want them to start thinking about, you know, if, if we work together, what would like the end goal be? Like how much money would they be making from that? It's essentially what I'm trying to ask. So if they say, you know, we would double our revenue, then you can kind of, you know, maybe from company's house or from, you know, your relationship building conversations or even just looking at their products, you might be able to get a sense of what that means and what it's worth to them. So if doubling their revenue means they're going to be, you know, earning an extra £400,000, suddenly asking for 50 for a year doesn't really seem like that much of a push. In fact, I would, I would encourage you to go higher if you think you can uh, secure £400,000 worth of business for, for someone. Because so that's big that's pretty yeah, big right yeah, if you can do so that big. that's that's insane that's well worth celebrating isn't it yeah um, and i i would say ask for three hundred thousand. <laughs> if you know you can deliver that then go for it yeah because the thing is as well is you know that you've, you've got to almost look at like at that point how you then can leverage even more money to get them even more reach etc um because it's it's all in a long-term investment process this you know the sponsorship and that you or the partnership you have with these sponsors isn't just a case of going okay i've done this deal over a year thank you very much see you later goodbye the way i approach it is that i want to work with these people for 
a long, long time. I've spent a lot of time researching them, a lot of time building relationships. I know that I want to help them out. And as long as they can qualify um, to, to start out with me, then I'm looking at a long-term plan with them. And if I can help their company grow, I mean, how awesome is that, right? Like, I always get excited by the thought that I can help a company grow in in whichever way they wish and revenue for sure excites me the most yeah yeah totally with you there and I think there's another way that you can kind of qualify this uh, before you you get more into like talking about exact figures is is just asking if they see value in working with you you know once you've laid out some of the benefits and maybe some of the ways that you can work together maybe get them excited about you know how happy their customers will be if you throw a you know some fancy event for them or invite them to a track day but yeah, ask if they see value in what you're offering because all you need there is a yes to know that you're on the right track because I, I really believe that if, if you're aiming for like the right level of business, so you know, if you're aiming for tens of thousands of pounds, you're not going to you know, a small freelancer who probably only earns 20,000 pounds total a year, uh, you need to pitch it, right? And you're maybe not going to a multi-million pound company because they're going to think you're too small. You need to pitch your level to the level of the business, which is a skill in itself. Um, but I, I truly believe that once you do that, if you get that fit right, then a, a business will find money to work with you if they think it will help them grow their business. Because Correct. Of, yeah, of course a business is going to hand over £100,000 if they think they can make more than £100,000, even if they don't have £100,000 currently in their business. So I, I think it's really worth thinking about the value that you offer as a racing driver and will that translate to actual kind of like real life business benefits rather than just, you know, a lot of talk. Uh, what will happen to the business at the end of working with you? What will their success look like? And if you can put that across in a convincing way and build relationships in the right way, a business will find money to work with you, whether that means taking out a loan, earning more money, waiting a couple of years so they're in a better position um, or moving budgets from somewhere else. If, if you think that you can um, provide value and the business sees that, they will pay money to work with you. Yeah, it's really simple, isn't it? Because... And then if you deliver, then long term, that's great. <laughs> that's absolutely golden, isn't it? Exactly. Um, it's a really good point, Jess. So Jess, just want to pick your brains really, because um, I've had some experiences recently, which I'll, I'll explain in a second. But um, what, what do we do when, when drivers are approaching companies that you know, look all glossy, um, everything looks like they're really high end, it looks like they've got you know, a, a available budget to do this kind of marketing campaign. Um, and then they turn around and say, we haven't really got much money or we, we, we don't know if we can afford this, for example. Um, and this is before, you know, you've actually quoted them on a proposal, for example. Um, you know, what are your kind of experiences of that, Jess? Yeah, so there's two things I think happening here is that first off, they either don't see the value in what you're doing and are just saying we don't have money, just because it's easier. It's so much easier to say, yeah, sorry, we don't have the budget for this, off you go, kind of thing, than it is to, to say, actually, I don't think this is worth anything and please leave me alone. People are much more polite than that. They'd rather, you know, fob you off with an excuse. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, there are businesses out there who, you know, they, they might look all shiny and glossy, but they don't have, they don't have the money. And that's, that's because they're, they're hoping that their perceived value, as in looking shiny, will help them sell more stuff. And, you know, it's a perfect marketing tactic. So 
This is typically used by businesses who are uh, at the beginning of their journey. So um, one way you can kind of think about this is if you, if you look at someone's website or that you look at them up on, on company's house, see how old the business is. Because if it's less than a year old, it's likely that they've, you know, thrown a bit of investment into um, getting up and running, but they're now just waiting on sales before they can actually do anything else. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's about getting to the bottom of why they're saying what they're saying, because it could be that if they're, you know, in that, that latter group and it's just a case of like, just waiting for that momentum to happen that, you know, you kind of just have to say, Hey, let's stay in touch. And you take a step back for a year. And then once they've, you know, um, got moving, then you can kind of go back to them and say, do you want to have that conversation again? Now that, you know, you're in a better position, I've seen you've done this, et cetera. So it's all about relationship building in a way that keeps those conversations alive, even when someone says you don't have a budget. Yeah, and I think that's a really important um, attitude to have, Jess, because, um, you know, I'm sure their drivers are out there that have gone to a sponsor. They've said no because they can't afford to, et cetera. And then that's it. They never then talk to that company ever again. Um, and it, and it, I think that leaves us a, a bit of a bad taste in, you know, in that potential sponsor's uh, mouth because, you know, you've made all that contact relationship building and then all of a sudden silence, nothing happens and it's a bit kind of strange. And, and I know that's happened from experiences of chatting to other drivers. Um, and I think having the right attitude when it comes to this sort of point is that as much as it is finding a sponsor that's got a budget available um, to get, you know, to get this kind of deal happening this year or, or the following year, etc. Of course, is important because without being on the track, without budget ourselves, then we can't do all the things that we sort of plan to do with our other partners, etc. If, if you're using the car for hospitality and, and obviously corporate days but there's there's so much you can offer to a company that is in that almost like early birth stage Jess I think that would be the right way to put it mm. um you know there's so many really awesome companies that I've been chatting to recently that have got some amazing ideas that I think will revolutionize their own industries and I think that's really really excited and, and I, I have as much interest in in sort of being with them as they grow um, so that one day they might actually be in a really good position to go look like I want to go all in on, on motorsport because I can see how this would really benefit my company. You want to be the driver that's there, right? You want to be the driver that's, that's there for them because you've sort of gave them a hand early on. You know, I think that's quite important to know. Yeah. And I think people forget that, you know, actually some big sponsorship deals take years to secure because at the point that you get in touch with a business, especially a big business, not only are there a lot of hoops to jump through, but it might be that like, even if you've been the most convincing you can be and that there is superb value in what you're offering, the business just might not be ready for that level of commitment, which is why it's so important to stay in touch with anyone that says no to you, especially if they've expressed some kind of interest, because then the next year when it comes to like that, that position of racing's finished oh my god i need to get sponsorship because that's how it works like a lot of drivers do that and that's fine you have those contacts already there to go do you want to have another conversation you don't have to start cold because that takes that's what takes the time it's all of that relationship building so if if you like focus on relationship building as like a long-term thing you're going to have much more success in the future and another point i kind of want to make is uh, if you're open and honest with whoever it is that you're chatting to at a business, they're going to be open and honest with you. I've had some amazing sponsors who I've been talking to for a long, long time who have said, I want to work with you, but I can't afford to. And I've said, okay, I'm here. 
when you can afford to and I've stayed in touch with them and then as soon as they get investment or they make a ton of sales or they start moving and can see that you know income in the future I'm the first person they get in touch with so I think having that kind of that honest and open relationship with someone where you can talk about money is really really important yeah like I say it's breaking down that barrier through relationship building Jess and, and I think that's a really lovely example because you know i've i've seen that happen for you jess where companies have come back to you and gone let's go like let's let's do this because i know you can deliver value for me um it's just a case of of sort of when isn't it more than more than kind of how yeah um and it's it's so important to be to be honest and i think that goes right from the the very first time you contact that sponsor um through all the way through to to working with them is yeah honesty really does give you you know the long-term trust in that sponsor to work together for a long-term partnership and that's um that's super, super important. And uh, everyone should be honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk about how you talk about budget, because I think that the only route a lot of drivers know is to just say, what's your budget? And actually, a lot of businesses don't know, because either they, they have a lot of stuff tied up within a marketing budget, so they'd need to move stuff over if it was going to be worthwhile. So they're not going to say, yeah, our marketing budget is 100000 a year because they're not going to give you all of that money. So it's irrelevant. But I feel like if you can, if you can ask a business, what's, what's your budget, they're going to lowball you. So if someone says, you know, what's your budget for this kind of work after, you, again, you've talked about the value and the benefits, they're going to say, oh, yeah, it's, it's low. It's this, which means you're then kind of stuck. So even if they actually have more money, they're going to say, yeah, but that was our budget. <laughs> So I, I, I like to ask the question, what's your budget? Or like, what, once you've asked the question, what value do you see in this? They can say, oh, there, this, this, and this. And you can then say, you know, something along the lines of, okay, what would you like, to, what kind of thing would you expect to pay for that kind of result? It kind of moves the conversation a bit to be focused on the end result rather than just this bit of money up front. So you're like more likely to get like a more sensible, slightly higher amount by focusing on like, what would you pay for this end thing rather than just this, you know, proposal that I've sent over. Yeah. Cause it's a bit like going to someone in the street that you've only met sort of the last few weeks and gone, Hey mate, how much money you got? Like you just wouldn't do it. Exactly. <laughs> like that's the way I look at things. I always try and put this into like personal life and how, how I would feel on the receiving end of that. Um, but whereas if you sort of look at, you know, how much you're prepared to pay for this, what I'm offering you, that's no different than going to the shop and going, is this expensive? Is this cheap? Should I buy yes or no kind of thing, isn't it? You're opening that conversation up to actually, you know, look at and see if the sponsor, you know, the sponsor is able to purchase it for to start with um, and actually open to talk about what value is there for that particular sort of service mm. or product you're offering, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think there's, you know, there's other ways that you can talk about this as well. You can kind of throw in what previous sponsors have paid or like what kind of deals that you have in the pipeline and the figure, because this will show you whether it scares off that sponsor or makes them go, wow, that's so much money. I had um, just, just in my normal um, like content marketing work, I had a meeting with um, a really exciting new client and they said, how much is this going to cost? And I said, how much have you got? Um, and I said, it could cost 10 grand a month, but we're willing to kind of work with what you have. And he went, oh, we don't have that much, but we could do this much. And that, that kind of worked out nicely because for, for what they were asking would never cost them 10 grand a month. I, I could obviously do, do work at that level, but they don't, 
actually need need it where they are at the moment so um in kind of going in high and and you can do this you know we're talking about sponsorship in going in high it makes them go oh, i want to work with you but that's too much money this is the most we could work with and then you're kind of like getting them to to think beyond like the, this this narrow frame of mind that's this is my budget it's tiny it's like how much could we feasibly go to what's the big picture like where could we get to to do this kind of amazing work yeah because i think it's all about that value proposition jess isn't it mm. um, i'm sure in life there's many things we've purchased and, and anyone listening to this have purchased in their life where they go oh i really really want that but it's a little bit too out of my price and bracket and you know six months a year down the line or however long it will be um you find yourself in a position where you go i'm going to go and buy that thing and you get really mm. excited um because you've seen the value in the, the item that you're going to purchase it's quite a quite a similar thing with these sponsors isn't it if you sort of demonstrate the value that you can offer them um, through all the things we can do as racing drivers. It's, it's such an amazing thing we can do for them. Um, it should be an exciting conversation for them to go and, oh, I really, you know, I really wish I can. Um, so if they are struggling at that point, um, but they know the value, then you're on for a winner really, aren't you? Yeah. And I think that's why it's always really good to say, look, you know, my title sponsor is going to be six figures. And if you know that they're not going to reach that far and just to ask them, you know, like, obviously that's title sponsorship where do you think you fall in this because they're going to be closer to the title sponsorship than if you just say what's your budget again it's like nudging them further to this like aspirational position of uh, where they could be in a few years time and um, what the path is to get there and i think uh, you know a lot of a lot of drivers don't really know the value of what they're offering and that that's fine that's why we're here that's why we're doing this podcast to teach you but I think once you kind of really understand what you can deliver to a business and, and what that means for them, it's so much easier to have big number conversations. And that comes with confidence as well, doesn't it? You gain a yeah. lot of confidence like that. I think, you know, from, from just my experiences from, from last season, which was just my first year of motorsport, um, some of the things that we did with my partners last year and the value that gave my partners was incredible. Like it, it, it blew my mind away. Obviously, I, I kind of embraced what Jess taught me um and thankfully i did jess <laughs> um but you know i embraced what jess taught me and and i kind of went with it and, and actually did these things for my partners and the return that they got and the value they got from from these activities like it blew my mind so much that i was just like wow this is awesome and it it gets me excited so then when i now talk to current and new partners like that excitement comes through like people see that excitement they that and i can openly talk about my experiences with previous partners this is what we've done this is what we achieved etc um and i think i think sponsors when you're having then a, a two-week conversation with them they'll really see that excitement and, and i think that really really helps and the confidence comes through um but believe in yourself and the and what you're offering i think is is so so important and do you feel like that, you know, as you've kind of gone through this journey of really developing like your niche and your brand and what you offer to businesses, that it's yeah. been easier to have conversations with businesses that are much, much larger than maybe you would have done like two years ago um, and have the confidence to say, yeah, it's going to cost this huge amount, which yeah, seems like huge to you as the driver, but probably doesn't to a business of that level. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like it gives you so much more confidence. Like I, I don't, I don't bat an eyelid now of, of offering something that I know is worth that amount of money. Um, so it's because I, I suppose in some respects, it's because I've proved it to myself by doing it last season. And you know, I was so scared last year, Jess. I was so nervous about everything. I didn't even have a race license when I pitched all this. 
you know, I, I took a big leap of faith and it's, you know, it's paid off. Um, and that now gives me even more confidence. And, you know, my networking in the last 12 months with, with, you know, potential partners in the future and, and potentially next year, you know, that it's, it's awesome. Like I'm really happy. I'm really excited. So yeah, for sure. It, it definitely gives you much more confidence. Amazing. So I just want to say to anyone who is listening to this and thinking, oh, you know, I'm so far off, you know, being confident enough to talk about this kind of thing. Just just take time and start small and kind of work on those those sponsors that are more at that kind of slightly lower level. Because if you start working with them now on like a, a potentially a smaller budget, that could grow into something much, much bigger. So I, I always encourage people to like hold on to their existing sponsors rather than always going out and searching for new ones because it's so much easier to hold on to an existing sponsor than it is to, you know, start cold and do all the relationship building, et cetera. So if you're not, if you don't have that confidence yet, take time to build it. Really like work out what you can offer to a business. Deliver something that, that changes things for them. Get testimonials. And actually uh, next week we are going to talk about imposter syndrome. And I actually think this might be a block for a lot of people who are listening in having this conversation about money is actually believing in yourself and what you can offer. So uh, listen out for that one. But I, I think building that confidence and, and just maybe even having a second eye to go over a pitch um, it just is enough to boost your confidence just to hear someone go, yeah, this is great. You could maybe improve this like one or two things, but it, it's really good. And I think sometimes you need those people in, in, in your life yeah you definitely do yes don't you, don't you? And, and you definitely need the get paid to race book in your life as well I'm going to plug that because um I still refer to it Jess <laughs> like genuinely I still refer to that book um you're very busy I don't always get to chat to you um the podcast sends me our sort of conversating time doesn't it yeah um but, you know I, you know the book's fantastic because I can go to that book and be sort of almost reassured of the value that I'm offering because there are things that I forget there are things that I can improve on all the time um and yeah I think you know the the books are really good friend to have it's, it travels with me pretty much everywhere Jess <laughs> I have to uh, admit something like I had to tap into like past Jess by past Jess. I I was I was sending an email to someone um that was like a soft sponsorship pitch for for something within motorsport and I was like how do I do this and I was like ah there's a book for this it's a book picked up my own book and was like reading through I'm like yeah I know I know this stuff I know this and I I you know use one of the templates that's in the book to write my own my own email because like sometimes you know you don't want to use your brain you want a book to do it for you so it's easy um, convenient. yeah exactly so even I'm doing it so uh, if anyone who is listening doesn't already have a copy of get paid to race you can get it at shop.racingmental.com or um drop me a, an email or a message on on social media and I'll um I can wing you over the link yeah well worth it <laughs> well worth it um should we get on to our drive of the week this week Jess um I think uh, we've covered quite a lot on uh, you know how to tell if the sponsor has budget to work with you or not shall we uh, shall we move on to driver of the week yeah let's go for it so um we've got a rally driver this week uh which is oh, very yeah. exciting so um our driver of the week this week is Brett Murray um, as I said, he's a, a rally driver in an MGZR, which is super cool. We kind of picked him out because uh, he recently secured some um, local press coverage. And I know that he'd been kind of working on this and following up and, you know, putting in the work to 
to get this coverage and like to to build his brand as a racing driver and you know he got he got in the Luton news um a couple of weeks ago so uh congratulations to Brett for that that's that's a big achievement getting in your local press yeah I think so and I believe it's Brett's um first year this year as well right so he's done all this through a very difficult time in the pandemic and he's managed to to get himself some good coverage which I think's um yeah fantastic yeah. so congratulations Brett well done, Brett. Um, if anyone wants to follow him on Instagram, he is Brett Murray Rallying. If you want kind of all of his links and things, um, head on over to the, the show notes for this podcast episode. This is episode number 26, and that's over at blog.racingmentor.com. Mega. There's another episode, Jess. I know, I know. I, Rose, who works with me, turned around the other day and said, I just want to say well done on the podcast. I was like, what this particular episode she's like no just in general like you've done 20 25 episodes as it was you know last week and I was like yeah like it's like that's almost half a year's worth of content actually now it is half a year's worth of content oh my god but you put it like that that's pretty nuts I know. like that's insane um from what seemed you know a few days ago that we were chatting about this idea of starting a podcast and I know here we are here we go yeah so happy six month anniversary everyone and, and yeah. we really appreciate you listening to us Definitely. And if you do do enjoy the podcast, um, you know, please let us know because it's really, it's really good to hear your feedback with regards to, you know, episodes that you favorited or particular topics that you might want to, you know, hit, listen to us talk about. Um, we're always open to suggestions. So head over to the Facebook community group and pop your comments in there. Jess and I are always there waiting to, to chat to people. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, you can email me jess at racingmental.com if you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for a future podcast episode. So thank you for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. Yeah, take care, everyone. Have an awesome week.